In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the snare. Perhaps, dear flock, by next Sunday, I will have joyful and exciting words to share with you regarding this momentous event which is to occur, so it seems, by the end of this week. For as most of you know, the Sovereign Pontiff has declared that this coming Friday he will consecrate Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and has invited all the bishops of the world to join with him in doing so. I will say no more on this subject today except that it is a reminder of the real meaning of the virtue of hope, which applies very much with what I had in mind to preach to you today. The consecration of Russia could never be looked upon as a sort of spell or incantation, but we simply have to get all the little parts right for it to take, as it were. No, a consecration is a prayer and it will be received as such. It depends on the sincerity and the fervor of those who offer that prayer. We pray then very much for the Sovereign Pontiff and for all the bishops of the world as that day approaches, and we'll perhaps have further words to say to you about it by next Sunday. In the meantime, though, I do insist on this virtue of hope which we find in the introit of today's Mass. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. The image conjured up for us here with the introit is that of the patriarch Joseph having been cast into the pit by his own brethren. For it is of him that we read today at Matins in the night office of the church as we go through the scriptures throughout the year. The virtue of hope is not simple wishful thinking, whether it be about the promises of Fatima or the revealed promises which we find in the sacred scriptures. Hope is a confidence in God's promise combined with a burning desire to see its accomplishment and to cooperate with grace in order that that accomplishment may become reality. During Lent, we do battle against a threefold enemy, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Certainly, when we consider today's gospel, it may seem that the church wishes to place at the forefront the third enemy, the devil. For we hear of our Lord today casting out unclean spirits. By all means, demonic possession is a real thing, as is demonic obsession, that is, simple physical manifestations of the powers of the evil one experienced in the lives of many of the saints. Of all these things, concerning all of them, we should shun all curiosity. 
remembering the words of our Lord to his disciples, where we read the Gospel of St. Luke, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, the devils even are subject to us in thy name. And he said to them, I saw Satan like lightning falling from heaven. Behold, I have given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and upon all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. But yet rejoice not in this, that spirits are subject unto you, but rejoice in this, that your names are written in heaven. If we are to think at all about the evil spirits today, it concerns another matter, and we'll go beyond the mere consideration of them. It is the third way in which evil spirits may afflict us, and that is by temptation. We must always take comfort in the fact that the devil does not have anything supernatural to throw at us. Only God can give us something supernatural. And when we have that something in our soul, it's called grace. The devils have lost grace forever, but we can have grace in abundance. And therefore, we are more supernatural than the devils can ever be. What do the evil spirits have to use against us? They have a spiritual nature which was created to be far more elevated than ours. And they can use this nature to tempt us to sin. But even then it seems that today's gospel and today's epistle want to remind us of something even more important during Lent. That as much as, yes, the God, Almighty God does permit demonic activity in the world and in our own lives, especially allowing them to tempt us and try our virtue so that we may merit greater glory in the world to come, the true lesson of today's gospel is that we must beware in the midst of our Lenten pilgrimage of falling back into sin. The Apostle St. Peter tells us it is better for us not even to have known the way of justice than after we have known it to turn back from that holy commandment which was delivered to us. Yes, although the Gospel speaks of the return of evil spirits after their expulsion, from a soul. By parallel, we consider also man's free choice to return to sin. And that is what we are warned against especially today. For even when it concerns the evil spirits, they have no power over of us if we have recourse to prayer and the sacraments to repulse them. What then must be we mindful of especially this Sunday? as we strive to reform our lives this year for the better. Concerning remaining in sin or falling back into it, we should take note of three possible cases. The first is that of presumption. 
It is committing sins with the thought that later repentance will surely be possible. We should be mindful of the fact that when we do this, God forbid, we presume two things. One, that yes, perhaps a confessional will be opened with the light on, on another day at another time, but also, far more importantly, that we will be able to make a good confession on that day. We have all heard, I hope, saying that God promises mercy today to penitents. He does not promise tomorrow to sinners. What this means is that not only does he not promise the opportunity for confession tomorrow, he does not even promise the grace of contrition tomorrow. If you are considering delaying your conversion from sin, don't just ask yourself, will I have the chance to go to confession another day? Ask, will I even be sorry tomorrow if I remain in this sin one more day? Besides presumption, there is also the case of remaining freely in a near occasion of sin. By all means, someone may be trapped in an inescapable occasion of sin, whether in in the home or in the workplace. That doesn't have to become a near occasion if, through prayer and detachment from certain things and persons, you make that occasion remote. Far from being a cause of sin, then, it is the cause for heroic merit and earns for you a crown of glory in heaven. However, when it comes to certain things such as music, television, recreational use of the internet, scrolling just to pass the time, or being alone or an extended conversation with certain persons, yes, these things are free occasions of sin, and they, by all means, are the cause of your ruin if you do not abandon them. These two things I have just mentioned, presumption of God's mercy and the space for repentance, and staying freely in a near occasion of sin, both tie in to the third thing, a term which you have perhaps heard before, or perhaps never, what is called recidivism. As I have already said earlier in the sermon, we cannot simply blame the devils for things. And so we cannot blame them for the fact that we always return to our same old sins. No one can ever say the devil made me do it. Recidivism must be carefully defined, and it will no doubt give rise to questions, questions which are best answered in the confessional. It is the case of someone who confesses the same sin again and again under precisely the same circumstances of time, place, and manner. This is what distinguishes such a person from someone who has developed a sinful habit. Someone who has developed a sinful habit may 
be earnestly trying to break that habit, so much so that his will is not even truly found in every one of his sinful acts. He deplores the habit he has contracted and prays earnestly to be rid of it, but is not quite yet rid of it. Since a person certainly can be absolved in the confessional, it is thus that we distinguish him from someone who is a recidivist. That is, someone who sins again and again and is always returning to confession, confessing that sin in exactly the same way, must sadly be assumed not to have any goodwill to change. It is not possible in speaking generally to people about this subject to make any judgment and be able to distinguish all cases. As I said, this question is best answered in the confessional. Nor should it be the cause of despair or discouragement for anyone who hears this important truth. For by all means, there are remedies. And the reason why the Church speaks to us of this in the midst of Lent is because Lent itself is one of the most sovereign remedies. Someone may be very well said to have the firm will to leave behind his recidivism and thus be only subject now to a sinful habit if he makes some special manifestation of his contrition. The special remedies we may enumerate here would be, for instance, making a novena in order to be rid of this sin, finding a special patron saint and invoking that patron on a regular basis, undertaking a special pilgrimage to a shrine, for instance, and spending a day in prayer, or undertaking extraordinary sacrifices, especially during this time of year, that is, undergoing certain mortifications or acts of mercy for the purpose of being rid of this sin. We must never lose hope in the spiritual combat we are undergoing now, for we do know from the Apostle that God never allows us to be tempted beyond our strength. Our salvation is in his hands. And as for the assaults of our enemy, for they are very real, one Our Father fervently said is enough to drive away all the machinations of the evil one. Our missionaries in Africa relate that during exorcisms, the devils always fall silent. And the litany of the sacred heart is recited over the deceased person, over the possessed person. They cannot bear to hear that reminder of a God who so meek and mild came to earth and took on the frail flesh of his poor creature so that he could suffer with him. By the intercession of the great mother of God, the first person who ever heard the word of the gospel and kept it in her immaculate heart, and St. Joseph, terror of demons, may we be delivered from all the temptations of this present life, and on the last day find our name written in the book of life. Amen.